0: Vulnerability is something I've been talking about a lot lately. I feel the plight of the Christian music artist wishing they could express their inner struggle in music, only to be told, open, honest songs don't get played on the radio. The same has largely been true in Christian publishing, but courageous authors like Jamie Ivey are bucking the trend. She is graciously vulnerable in her book, If You Only Knew. And that's next on Rebel Parenting. Hey Rebels, welcome to another edition of Rebel Parenting. I'm your host, Ryan Dobson, with my wife, Laura... And it is not too late to sign up for the Fusion Marriage Workshop happening next weekend in Colorado Springs, Colorado, February 23rd through the 25th. And this is unlike anything you've ever been to before. Whether your marriage is on the rocks or is doing great, Fusion will give it an upgrade. It did for Laura and I. It did for producer Kay and her husband, Joshua, and tons of our friends. For more information, head to gapcommunity.com fusion and sign up for the Fusion Marriage Workshop. February 23rd through 25th, right here in Colorado Springs. Once again, that's GapCommunity.com slash Fusion. On today's Rebel Parenting, we interview author and podcaster Jamie Ivey and her husband, Aaron. Aaron Ivy is the worship pastor of the Austin Stone Community Church in Austin, Texas. And Jamie hosts the Happy Hour podcast. We love the Happy Hour podcast because like Rebel, it's uncensored, unfiltered, and just plain fun. We can't wait to introduce you to this couple, so here now is Aaron and Jamie Ivey on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Jamie, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on Rebel Parenting. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we're happy to be on. Thank you. You know, Jamie, in the book, you talk about sharing your story and owning your own story and kind of letting Christ take center stage of that. What's it been like to share your story, you know, to be vulnerable, to, to know you can get the haters or the backlash? You know, how has it been sharing that story and being vulnerable in ministry, in public life?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it seems like with the book just now releasing that this is the first time I've shared my story, which just isn't true at all because yeah. I've been sharing my story. Years, mm. and so I think it seems as though I just meet a new friend and then just vomit everything about my life. But what <laughs> has really happened? I like you. Is that I? Right, I have friends that have walked through life with me and that are you know very kind and generous to listen and to walk beside me. And so sharing that has become just kind of a natural part of mm. my friendships. Um, and it's it's not just sharing the big bad things from twenty years ago, yeah. but it's sharing things from today and this weekend and whatever it might be. Mm. So for me, I've learned that sharing my story is kind of just, it's a, it's a, it's a part of my life with the people that I do life with.
0: Mm. Definitely. And you want, I mean, we'd love for you to share your story here. I know you've got the happy hour podcast and we've got the book that we're reviewing as well, but I'd love for our listeners to hear your story. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So just, you know, the kind of short end of it is, is I grew up in the church, um, my family went to church every single time the doors were open, and I knew a lot about God, and mm. I would have I would have told you that I was a Christian, that I was a follower of Jesus, but as I got into high school and college, uh, there was zero fruit in my life as someone who followed Jesus, and yeah. so what started to be important to me were not the things of the Lord, and mm. more importantly was just... And boys and alcohol, and I just started a pretty destructive lifestyle uh, that led to some, you know, pretty co- big consequences in my life. And then when I was 21, it's when I finally really, really said, "You know what? I think that this God thing is really, really um, real, and I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to follow Him. I think I'm going to give Him my life." And so it was at that point that God captured my heart, and I said, "You know what? I'm going to follow You."
0: Mm,
1: um, and then awesome. from there, I. Yeah, and then I was, you know, I started dating a man who um, was a pastor, and it's my husband now, Aaron, (laughs) who's right here Yeah, that's right. right. Um, And so starting to date a pastor with someone who had a lot of baggage from her life, it just brought on a lot of shame. And so the book really is just me talking about that shame that I walked with for years and years and years, Mm -hmm. and then how I learned and am still learning uh, to trust God with my identity.
2: So what for you was the most important part of breaking
1: through that shame?
2: Or daily uh, for me, comes up.
1: Yeah, for me, the most important part, and um, it's what I am passionate about, screaming to the world today, and that God is still working on me, mm-hmm. is really, truly believing what He says about me to be true. Really mm-hmm. believing that Him sending His Son for our um, forgiveness and for our salvation, it covers every sin, not just. Some, but it covers all of them. All sins, and then Mm. really, truly believing that because of Jesus, that I am a new creation, um, and that God is going to continue to mold me to look more like Him. And so, those are really big, like church concepts, kind of totally. But they're actually true. And so, for me, it came to the point where I just had to decide: I actually am going to believe these, and not just read about them and talk about them in church. Hmm.
0: Definitely, and. Jamie, here's the thing. We believe that. I think the listeners believe that. I think people in church believe that. I think sometimes we believe it like in the front of our brain. And, you know, uh, I believe the Lord covers all sin. Uh, You know, I wrote down in my notes and dot, 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 people. You know, you're in ministry. Your husband is a worship leader. How do you deal with just what we all call now the haters, the people that are like, oh, can you believe Jamie Ivy did da-da-da-da and she thinks she's in ministry? I mean, because you get that. In the Christian world and just in general, in our modern culture, we love to tear people down. How do you handle that? You've got good friends that are surrounding you, but in that life, those arrows come regularly.
1: You know, Ryan, the funny thing is, is if people are saying that about me, they're not saying it to where I've ever seen it or could hear it. Yep. So kudos to them. but It's kind of private, but... Yeah. Um, for me, something that I think is really important, we moved uh, to Austin uh, almost 10 years ago, and we've been attending a church here where my husband works. And the culture of our church does not provoke any of that. The culture of our church is really set up to say, hey, we're all sinners. We're all in need of a Savior. And that comes from the top of our church all the way down to the bottom. Everyone in leadership would have that same meaning. And I've seen a lot of that in ch- church cultures where they don't promote that yeah. mentality of, Everyone mm-hmm. is in need of a savior. And I think that is where that kind of stuff you described, Could that's where that stuff place. can breed and can mm-hmm. collide. Yeah. And so honestly, I, I don't feel that. And now I haven't released the book with all my scary <laughs> stuff to the world yet. So ask me again in February and I'll let you know. Okay, but we'll as call of right you back now, in February and talk. Call no, me you back. Know what, though? I think yeah. you're
0: right. What you're saying is so important because what you've done is you've surrounded yourself with people that believe truth. You've surrounded yourself with people that believe we're all in need of a savior, that we've all fallen short. And because of that, you're vulnerable with each other. And what anybody else says, whatever, they can do whatever they want. We're not listening. It's kind of like the tree falls in the woods. You know, if a hater screams and nobody hears it, does it matter? And I guess not. I guess it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Man, I love that. That's brave. I I think it's brave and it's so wise because you are. You're surrounding yourself with the right people. You're listening to the right people. You're being inputted and poured into by the right people.
1: Well, and for me, it's like, you know, people ask me a lot, like, how do I get people like that in my life? Well, you do ministry together. You do life together. Um, The friends that I have surrounding me, I trust them because they love God so much and they're in his word and they're going to point me to truth. Um, and so I can come to them and not share the things that I wrote in the book from 20 years ago because um, literally my good friends are like, no, actually, Jamie, I want to know what are you struggling with today yeah. not right. yesterday. For yeah. sure. And so those are conversations I get to have with them, and they care more about the truth than they do about you know what I'm feeling or mm. what anyone might say about me, and that's a real value in a friend. For sure.
0: Yes, it ja- is.
2: Hey, Jamie, in your story you explain how behavior modification wouldn't end in change. And here at Rebel, we kind of touch on, like, we're not about behavior modification. So could you just tease that out for our listeners? I want to hear your side.
1: Yeah. Behavior modification is something that we all struggle with. You know, I'm sure we'll talk about this as parents. It's a struggle for me as a parent to not just want my kid to do what is right yep. um, and not worry about the part. Um, one thing that I, when I was having just a, a lot of making a lot of poor cho- choices in life, my parents sent me to a Christian college um, and I don't fault them at all, because I'm a parent now, and I get the motivation behind that, sure. and I and I, I did nothing wrong. But for what they were wanting was for me to just kind of get my act together. And the thing with behavior modification is it, you can't sustain that for a long time. It's not sustainable <laughs> yeah. at all. Correct. Um, because eventually – you either fall big time and everyone sees the real you or you just get to a point where you're like, I can't keep this up anymore. And I'm actually going to be who I really am. And I don't care what anyone else says. Right. And so I, it's really important when we're thinking about our own personal faith and with our parenting stuff of how, how do we, what do we care more about the outward action or the inward heart? Mm. And I think for years of my life, uh, I cared more about what people saw me outside when I wasn't following Jesus. Yeah. And when I was following Jesus, I cared more. Do I look the part? Do right. I say the right thing? Do I check off the right list? And that was, sure. it was unattainable yeah. and I couldn't keep it up.
2: Well, and in our culture today, I know I struggle with that idol, that idolatry of mm. wanting to look good. Like, don't get me wrong. And God continues to push me to the next level. And I love how you've explained that.
0: Aaron, what let's, let's hear from you. You know, how is your marriage today? What's it like being the worship leader and, you know, at a church and living ministry, you've got the podcast, all these things going on. You guys are in the it's a that's a real modern day thing. It's a really, you know, twenty eighteen thing. Podcast, Worship Leader, Austin. How is that? What's your marriage like? you know, what's your story like now?
3: So Jamie and I have been married almost seventeen years and you know, from the beginning of our marriage it's kind of been built on exactly what Jamie's talking about. Um we we both have benefited from families in our life, friends in our life that are just incredibly honest about the the ways that they struggle and the things that are hard in their life and the moments of suffering and shame. And that's, that's been very formative to us. And so Mm. it's really not something that we've had to, um, you know, try to incorporate into our marriage. It's always been built on that. Um, You know, I knew Jamie's story from, um, from when we first started dating, and that was just a very common thing for us to talk about um, all parts of our stories, and then to even to even pursue that in relationships. yeah, you know, the most authentic mm. relationships are the ones where um both people or both couples, both sets of friends are um mutually honest mm-hmm. and, um, sure. and 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 pour their whole kind of heart and soul into the relationship. Anything that doesn't have that is not really a true friendship, definitely not in the biblical kind of um, definition of what friends and what communities are supposed to look like. So our marriage has kind of always been built on that. And mm, and that. now we just, Thank we, we want to, yeah, we want to see that um, in the lives of our friends. Mm-hmm. Um, as leaders of our church, we want to see a church that, um, that lives and breathes that way too. And yeah. that's one of the tangible ways of, of showing the gospel to people is just to not just talk about the good things in our life, but to talk about all the moments of weakness and sorrow that um, that Christ is really seen to be um, beautiful and strong and wise um, in. So yeah, that's a little bit about our our marriage and how that looks now in the city of Austin.
0: I love it, and I love that you get to share your story together. You're doing this together. When Laura and I started Rebel Parenting over a year ago, people just said you're crazy. You know, you parent together and you homeschool, and you're going to work together. You're going to be together all day long and 24/7. And you know that work relationship can be awkward. And I think in the beginning for us it was it was hard. We have some programs we just deleted. You know, we would get into fights. You know, as we recorded yeah. and and I remember thinking, oh no, is this going to work or not? And I love it now it it does it creates some awkward situations, but those situations, if you push through them, make you so much better as a couple. Mm-hmm. What's it like for the two of you to do ministry together because yeah. it, I mean you're living your lives publicly that's so weird yeah, it's out mm-hmm. loud
2: love
3: it yeah well we, first of all we we love it. we love doing mm. things together love doing ministry together and um, it's never been, uh, this is Jamie's thing over here. And this is my thing over here, but it's always been, this is our family. This is the, the types of ministry that God's given our family to do and to be a part of. And so, you know, we both just want to cheer each other on in, in the kind of separate, mm. um, but aired things that we're doing. So, I mean, Jamie's podcast, you know, is, is something that, that I don't just see as like, her little, her little thing she's got going on. I mean, it's, it's the big thing that our family's doing. Mm-hmm. And the same is true on the other side. She doesn't view um, me being a pastor as just that, that thing that Aaron has or that job Aaron has, but this is our family. This is what we do. This is how we get to contribute to the kingdom of God and to uh, the city of Austin and, and helping other people find God. That's That's what we both love doing. And so even though we have different types of jobs in doing that, it's the same calling. We have the same exact calling. It's to tell people about how good God is. Mm
2: -hmm. So Aaron, um, what is the biggest challenge in your guys' ministry today?
3: Well, we have a lot of challenges. I think one is both of us, um, you know, want to be really good stewards of what we have in front of us. You know, we're not going to be alive forever. And so we have this kind of short moment in time where we want to we want to do the most amount of things we possibly can um, for for the yeah. good of like encouraging people to mm-hmm. to, to know Christ. You know? So I think a challenge for us is like not saying yes to too many things, <laughs> yeah. picking the that we need to like focus the most amount of time into, and 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 being okay with saying no to other things. That's really hard because it we is. we want to do them all.
2: Yeah. You know? Um, uh, we totally but we also agree with be
0: Yeah, and that'll lead to burnout. Yeah. You know, yeah. as a pastor and a pastor's wife or and a, a podcast, yep. you know, host, you can do eight million things. It's and everybody's got yeah. this yeah. new idea for you and this person you gotta interview <laughs> yeah. and this other thing you could add on to it. Or
2: this person needs help. Yeah, definitely. So it's, I love that your boundaries yeah. mm-hmm. say no.
0: Yeah.
3: Hmm. And you know, we could do all the ministry stuff really well, but at the same time be terrible parents yep. or lose the heart of our kids, you yep. know, and so most challenging thing is that that delicate balance of doing um, outside things, but then doing our our family internal stuff really, really well, too. Mm.
2: Yeah, I was just talking with a friend. They're like, it's so easy to do ministry. It's really hard to do family. And this person was giving themselves to their ministry and getting all these accolades. And she was just um, succeeding, succeeding. But on on the way up, her family's getting pulled apart. So just to encourage you, yeah. just to keep that balance for us too, always.
3: Yeah, thanks. We, we definitely want to, at like when we're old and gray, we want to have kids that, that love that their parents were in ministry. They weren't bitter because yeah, of it. Yeah, definitely. You know? definitely. Uh, yeah, I want them to have said, I love what my mom and dad did, and ministry was never more important than we were. That's what I wanted to say.
0: Yeah, for sure. Aaron, speak a little bit about the friends in your life. There's a story in the book about, um, there's a decision you were thinking about making, and you wish people in your life would have confronted you, and to surround yourself with people that speak truth into your life, that will say, hey, you know what? We love you, and you're making a mistake.
1: Yeah, I, I I desire for that in every area of my life right now. I mean, I just had a conversation with yes, yesterday with someone, and I told them, which I told all of my girlfriends and my husband, if you see something that doesn't look okay, you have every permission to say something. Amen. I have um, that
2: with my producer, Kay. Yeah,
0: they're both pointing at each other right now. They're like, you do this with me. Me do this with you. We're going to do this, right? We're <laughs> going to say this. Ryan's staying out of it. Yeah, just I'm like, uh, I'm not going <laughs> to point at either of totally. you. I'm just going to sit over here behind the booth. <laughs>
1: Just kidding. <laughs> and the truth is, when someone does call you out on something, it, it doesn't feel good. No, It's never it going never to feel does. good. You're never going to look at them and be like, oh my gosh, Thank you're totally you. right. You're probably going to push back. Um, but I think that the g- greatest friendships that will survive and be the most God honoring and push us to look more like Jesus are the ones that can say, hey, I see something in you and I just want you to see it. Now, I always preface this with, these are my close friends that I've given them permission to do this with. Yes, permission, permission, permission. I don't need a stranger emailing me, telling me what they think about my life when we've never met in person. Amen. No thank you, deleted message, you know? Yep, yep. Um, Amen. I'm so glad you say that too because
0: (laughs) the people that, I've blocked people on Facebook, I've blocked them on Twitter, Instagram. You know, you come at me and as, as a stranger attacking me and I don't know you. Mm, sorry, but my friends for sure.
2: So how did you create that permission? I just want to tease it out so if people are like, "Hey, I want that type of relationship with my friends or my husband." Tease it out how to
1: structurally just set it up. Yeah, when I think about specific girlfriends in my life that have that ability and they would know without a shadow of a doubt that they have that Uh, that trust to be able to do that, Mm -hmm. it's because we've lived life together. Most of them, we have done ministry together. Um, Most of them, we have spent time in discipleship groups studying God's Word together. Um, It's built on time and trust. And when I look at these friends, like I said earlier, and I can say that these people who I would give them full trust— That they love me so much that they're going to point me back to Jesus every single time. That's the kind of friend that I'm looking for. Uh, I mean, just last week, just this last week, I sat across a lunch table from a girlfriend of mine and was confessing something to her. I had already confessed to God, and I know he forgives me because he says he will. Mm -hmm. I had already confessed to Aaron, and Aaron forgave me. And here I am sitting across the table telling this to my girlfriend. And she looks at me, and she doesn't say to me, oh, you're good, you're all right. But she looks at me, and she tells me scripture, and she points me Mm. back to Jesus, Mm. and she helps me work through that. Mm. Those are the most valuable type of friendships that you can ever have. And that's the same girlfriend who she works super close with me in my work life. If I was getting prideful or greedy Mm. or whatever, she would look at me, and she wouldn't care what I thought she would tell me that I was. Um, and then give me a couple of hours, you know, hopefully I would, you know, listen and take it in. Um, but I've given her permission because I trust that she loves God more than she loves me.
0: Definitely. Well, and your ego wants her to be like, oh no, you're fine. It's okay. But your heart, your community, your friendship wants her to say, here's the scripture. Here's where you need to go back to. Here's what Jesus would say. Mm Totally. And what I hear you saying, I'm
2: not giving license to beat anyone up. I'm actually giving. My job is to exhort that person to Christ, Mm -hmm. not about slamming their sin or any. That's back to behavior modification. I don't want any of that. Go away.
1: (laughs) Right, right,
0: definitely. You know, Laura and I were were looking in the book, and you talk about how some of the biggest milestones in your life are about failure. And we look at the milestones in our lives. There, some have been through tragedy, some have been through failure, and. I always wonder when we get to heaven, if we look back on our lives and the times that we were closest to the Lord are going to be the worst times, Mm -hmm. that we look back fondest on the times when we were helpless or we had failed because then we turn back to the Lord and say, oh, that's right. I can't do it on my own.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. I've seen that within failure within my life. I've seen it when we've walked through hard times um, with uh, parenting or with our kids or in work life, whatever it is, when we have walked through suffering suffering. It's in those times that our greatest need comes out of Jesus. And I think that when things are going quote unquote good is when we get prideful because yeah. we're humans and we think we don't need God. We can do this on our own. And so we can pretty much just glide through our lives. Yep. But it is in times when we feel the most weak, which God is true to his word. And this is what he says is that when you're weak is when I become strong within you. And so I think it is in those times when we can really look back and see uh, you know, the nearness of him because of our great need that we felt in that moment. And so I think that is true across the board.
0: Wow. And there's so much <laughs> wisdom in this book. We just keep reading through it and going through different passages. You know, I want to ask you a process a little bit about, cause you encourage people to embrace their authentic story and to tell their story and to be vulnerable. And so as someone that's leading a public life, when I think about that, I think, wow, if I told my story publicly, You know, a lot of people would hear it all at once. And I want to know, when you're talking about embracing your authentic story, is it to the individuals first? Or are you just saying, hey, if you've lived a lie in the past, just start sharing everything with everyone all the time, everywhere you go?
1: Oh, my gosh. Absolutely not. I mean, here I am (laughs) releasing everything in a book. But like I said, I've been telling this story to people in my real life for years and years and years. There you go. Everyone already Uh, knows it. So there's no shock.
0: Mm-hmm. It's not like your parents are reading this for the first time. Not to your your, fr- That's your awesome. kids, um, your friends, yeah. right? Yeah, the
1: people she's with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And so I always encourage people because what I've noticed is when I've shared my story um, publicly at a women's retreat or something, I hear it all the time. A woman will come up to me and say, "Well, I have this thing that I've never told anyone. Yeah, I get that, um, all and the they've time. been walking." Right, they've been walking around with this forever and ever and ever, um, and I would never look at them and say, "Well, why don't you write a book or share it on a podcast <laughs> right. or write a come blog on our radio show?" It. I
0: think people forget that, though. I think right. when someone says you need to be honest, they think, "Well, I better go tell everyone." And I, I love that in this book. It's you got to tell one person. See how that goes with one person. See if you can trust one person, build that friendship, communication, intimacy, and then move on to the next. It's not mm. everyone, you know, day one.
1: Mm. that's totally right. And, you know, and, and I always say there's a lot of things that I don't share publicly because I'm still working through them. Right. And hopefully, you oh, know, in a half years I can share my journey through working through that. Um, but my people, my people will, are my part peaks. of those journeys right now. Yeah. Um, and so find people that you trust and the way you know that you can trust someone yes. um, is, is have you shared something with them and they haven't given you the look like, Oh gosh, never thought that would happen for me or change you you know find Mm. people that you can trust and the way that you can trust them as you know like i've said it before is that their love for god is way bigger than what they think about you or their love for Mm. you like they're constantly going to point you back to the truth that god says about you
2: Mm. perfect thank you Mm. i want to move on to you talk about sin shock can you guys talk about that with us
1: yeah. Sin shock. Uh, we've all seen it. It's when you hear of someone's sin or someone confesses a sin to you and you either think or you verbally say out loud, how could you? Oh, I never thought you would do this. Or yeah. what's wrong with you? And we've all um, done it. <laughs> we've all I've done, done it. That. I've yeah. done yeah. Do it. I'm just,
2: yeah, I'm just including the whole listeners. We've all yeah. done that.
1: Yeah, for sure. We've We've all done it. And what I've noticed is that when, when we react to, sh- to sin with such a shock, mm. um, which is hard because we're human, and especially if that sin is directly impacting your life, yes. that is when it's just, oh, my gosh, what are we happening here? Yes. Sure. But what we do to people when we react that way is we just say to them, um, you can't say this out loud. This is better kept in secret. Um, mm-hmm. Your sin is too big for God. Um, and what I noticed in reading the scriptures about Jesus is Jesus was always, he, he hates sin. You know, he came to die because of sin. He he was not a friend of sin. But I never saw him shocked when he would, he never said, wow, how could you? How could you? Right. Wow. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Adultery, greed, what were you thinking? Um, but Jesus died for that. And so I think it is, it is a very big discipline to hear someone's confession, to hear someone's struggle oh, and to sit with them and hold that with them mm-hmm. and really walk with them through it without shaming them. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's something that we all have to learn. I'm, I'm still learning. I've sure. learned it. Um, so I want, I want to see more, less of sin shock within the church. Yes.
0: Me too. Definitely. Well, and if you, if you look at the Christ example, you know, the woman at the well, you know, and he's like, where's your husband? And she's like, Oh, well, da-da-da-da. he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> You know, it's, it wasn't this, you know, what you're not with your, how dare you? It's, I know, I know you're not, you know, when they're going to stone the woman, you know, there's got to be this frenzy, this rage, this outrage, this injustice, this retribution spirit that's going on. And they're all, you know, you know, ready and they're ready for Christ to start this thing. And he starts drawing in the sand. (laughs) Can you imagine if you're angry, if you're, you know, you're ready to get into a fist fight, you know, you're ready to, to bring down hellfire and fury. And someone starts playing in the sand and you're going what are you doing and it's like oh who he, who he, uh, said he cast the first stone you know here's yeah. the line you know it just calms that down it's so important to to not go oh, when someone shares with you yeah. And I think that comes from a spirit of humility. You know, you talk about it in the book. That's the humility that says, for all have sinned. We all have sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. And what an honor that somebody would be vulnerable enough with me to share their failure, to trust me with their failure, to trust me with their heart, to trust me with their reputation.
2: Don't take that lightly.
0: Yeah. Right, right. Like, yeah.
2: Yep. And one of the other things I just want to touch on is kind of the secret sin of the church, the pornography that's just mm. going everywhere. Um, I would love to hear your guys' take on that and take a stand for all the rebels listening of how we can <laughs> take a stand.
0: How we can fight against this yeah. and what your church is doing about it. I mean, for people sure. just don't talk about it. It's everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah.
3: Well, we definitely encourage people to talk about it um, and for it not to be, um, you know, it seems like there's kind of this list of more shameful sins than other sins. (laughs) It might be easier to talk about greed or jealousy, um, but then there's a couple, you know, that are taboo and we can't talk about. And one of the things, you know, just as a community and as a church is we want to just really push people to view sin the way God views sin, that there's not degrees of sin, but, um, all sin mm-hmm, is what mm-hmm. uh, ultimately w- w- was the thing that was separating us from God and that Jesus had to come, um, to, to, to bridge this gap that none of us could get to because of every type of sin, not just because of the most
2: mm-hmm.
3: outrageous or the most, um, you know, ugly on the outside kind of sin. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of that happens in, in normal conversation and, and dialogue, um, You know, we we want people to have accountability kind of relationships where you can ask hard questions and you can give hard answers Mm. to those questions. And and even as a family, you know, we want to, and we're trying to instill that into our own kids and our relationships with them where there's not like, some of these things that, that we can talk about, you know, really casually. And then there's these others that are just, <laughs> you know, we, we assume don't they don't mention. struggle with, So we assume that they're not thinking about, but we want to have honest conversations about all the stuff, because I know when I was a kid, um, you know, I, I didn't have anybody that I felt like I could talk to about these things yeah. that were yep. in my head and things that were taboo in the church, you know? And so I think it's just like, it's every person um in the church every believer getting to the place where like Jamie's talking about where we're not shocked by sin yep. and we're not we're not shocked to we're not scared to reveal that that kind of sin i think that's where most people get in trouble is you have these sins that over time just kind of stack on top of each other we never talk about them and then it it, it ends up becoming this mountain of stuff that we've just kind of packed down and never revealed never told anybody yep. and And then it blows up sorry but yeah we know how the the scripture talks about sin is that um you know the enemy is like a lion doesn't want to just like scrape you up or wound you a little bit but sin sin wants to take take you you out wants to kill you you know and so with our kids we're we're really honest about um about all of that stuff about pornography we're honest about how that's been a part of my story in the past. I tell my boys, you know, here's here's what you're probably gonna want to look for. Here's what is a lot of times this stuff just comes looking for you. You yeah. might not even want it, but it pops up on ads and all this kind of stuff. And it just takes away the mystery. It takes away the scariness, you know, of talking about it. Because Brings it in the light and the power. It takes of, away
2: the power of the sin. That's yeah. right. I love yeah.
3: it. You gotta totally. bring it in the light. We made it a normal, yep, yeah, a normal part of conversation. You know, so our uh, one of our kids. Is about to get a phone, you know, and we've already been talking for months about, Hey, here's some of the, the real kind of issues with having a phone, you know, um, anybody can text you anything. And um, here's what that, here's what that means. You know, you got to guard even sometimes what people are sending you and what you're sending to other people and on the internet, you can find anything. Um, and so here's some safeguards we're going to put on it. And here's the safeguards that I have on my phone, you know, so just making it a normal part of conversation, I think helps, make the fight against pornography not this um secretive lonely sort of thing yeah. but it makes it a hey I want to love Jesus and here's a part of me fighting to have a heart that loves Jesus and is undistracted.
0: Definitely. I remember coaching a wife and I'm walking this tightrope between you know she was so devastated she found her husband was was looking at pornography and I and I said I understand. I do. And this is so normal. It's not what you think it is. Yes, it's bad, but this is everywhere. We just don't know it. Your friends aren't talking about mm-hmm. it. Their husbands aren't talking about it. But as ministry leaders, having Please. the people on the radio we've had on, this is everywhere. This is super normal. And because of it, very easily compatible. We can do something about mm-hmm. it. We can get you freedom from you know this thing that will ruin your marriage if you do, if you let it go.
3: Yes. Yeah, that's right. And you know, I, I think putting like really practical uh, tools in, in in front of people, because um, sometimes we just say, "Hey, don't look at it, guys. Don't look at pornography. Just stop." You know, stop it. Um, but you know, that, I mean, it's like we, you're 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 dumb if you don't wear a seatbelt when you're driving a car. You know, and so there's there's things to help us like actually maneuver through life um, without always being victim to it yep. and always being lured into it you know and so we have we have an awesome device that we we feel like we, we could sell to everybody because we believe in it so much it's called a disney circle oh, we, we use it too it. We Help
0: use it. yeah we're, di- we're yeah. circle yeah. representatives too we use it all, <laughs> all the, the t- time
3: it's literally one of the best things and it's a hundred bucks which is like worth every single penny and that's it and it's, it's just a hundred bucks it's a flat fee
0: they keep updating it they add more yep. features
3: Yep. Thanks. Every device in our entire house, from Apple T V to phones and laptops, all of them um are you know, have filters on it and have control over time limits and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, little things like that, um, just kind of stack up to where the new normal becomes, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna spend my life fighting against um being drawn into this. Yeah. That becomes a new yeah. normal.
0: Right. You know what I love? I love that you compared it to insurance. Yeah. I just haven't, I haven't heard that yet. It's such a smart comparison. Mm-hmm. Because here's what we know. the I, I hate to say this. The Nancy Reagan just say no didn't work. It it's didn't work. Working. There's no. no science behind it. Psychologists no. didn't work. Psychiatrists said it didn't work. It didn't work. Just just say no to pornography. Just say no to sin. It's like saying just say no to car accidents. Just don't get in a car accident. Right. You know? And we, totally. d- it's so smart to compare that to insurance. We use um, Circle... It's such a smart, smart, smart device. I mean, for people that don't know, you can set time limits on apps. You can set bedtimes, all these great things. On top of that, we also use NetNanny uh, just to have one more added protection yeah. for filtering pornography in the house. My goodness, Jamie, Aaron, thank you guys you are guys. amazing. You're such a rebel you. parenting <laughs> vein. And I just love that you came on the broadcast today. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you guys so much. much. We it's awesome. You guys. We'd love to visit you in Austin. It's one of my favorite, favorite cities and in I've Texas. I've never been there. <laughs> so I'll definitely get Laura out there. Oh, God.
3: Yeah, you, you definitely need to come. Oh, it's God. amazing. For you sure. guys are refreshing.
2: So keep on charging. Definitely. We appreciate it.
0: Oh, Rebels, I hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. I was reminded of a Brene Brown quote Vulnerability is not about fear and grief and disappointment, it is the birthplace of everything we're hungry for isn't that true vulnerability sparks the greatest intimacy with our spouse with our kids with our coworkers, with our parents with our friends it's not for everyone but it is for those right people and i hope this book if you only knew encourages you to be more vulnerable with those closest to you we appreciate you listening don't forget next week and if you want an upgrade in your marriage it is not too late you can still sign up for the gap community Fusion Marriage Workshop. Head to GapCommunity.com Fusion to sign up for the Fusion Marriage Workshop. It changed Laura and I's marriage. It is so good. It is unlike anything you've been to before. February 23rd through the 25th right here in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Thanks for listening. God bless. We will see you next week.